Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars to The Office to cosplay to fanfic. It's all right here. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week, we're going to be talking about the cult classic Rocky Horror Picture Show, which turns 45 this year. So this will be a lot of fun. And we also have a brand new panelist on with us as well. So I'm very excited about that. So before I have everybody introduce themselves, just a few quick housekeeping notes. Just a reminder that we are taking listener support. Um, for as little as 99 cents a month to 9.99 a month, you can help the show. But as I've stated before, for now until at least October 1st, 100% of what we see from that will go to various Black Lives Matter organizations. Uh, same thing goes for the one ad that we have. Everything you see from that will also be going to various Black Lives Matter organizations. Um, and then also, I do want to say that I promise, 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 I am going to work on that auction. I know I keep saying that. I keep waiting to get pictures and descriptions from people, and it's just a new thing for me, so I'm learning it. So hopefully that'll happen soon. And then also on October 1st, I will be doing a live Facebook post just saying the various Black Lives Matter organizations that those are that the donations are going to. I know I've um, announced some of them on previous episodes, but I just want to make be transparent about that as well. Okay, so let's go around and just have everybody introduce themselves. So I'm going to start with you, David, and this is David's first time on the podcast. So David, if you want to introduce yourself and just tell me one thing in pop culture that you're excited about right now. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is David Alder. Um, I'm What I'm really actually excited about in terms of pop culture right now is the uh, increasing popularity of the Avatar slash Korra series that Nickelodeon had produced. Um, Digital yeah. stole mine. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. I can I can geek about it some more. <laughs> well, I think we're on the same wavelength then. <laughs> so that's not the same thing as Avatar Airbender, right? I don't yeah, the know. The same universe. It is the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. And is that on uh, Netflix then? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And Judy. <laughs> yeah, hi, I'm Judy. And, uh, well, what I'm geeking about is the same. So, actually, I the last one of the previous um, podcasts that I was on, I guess a month or so ago, I was raving about Avatar The Last Airbender, telling everybody now it's on Netflix, go watch it. Um, I completed, you know, my only, God only knows how many rewatches of that uh, a couple of months ago when it first came out. Now they have added Korra, which is the next Avatar in the universe, and um, I am doing a rewatch of that right now and loving it. So, like I said in the previous one, don't 
um, brush it off as just a cartoon. It is so much better and so much deeper. So worth worth your time. Awesome. Thank you. And Megan, who hasn't been on since February. I'm so happy to have you back mm-hmm. on. Megan. Hi. Hello. I'm Megan. I go by she and her. Uh, recently, I've been uh, watching a lot of uh, Gretsuko. Uh, it's also considered a cartoon, but I definitely believe it carries some real-life undertones uh, with it. And I definitely relate pretty heavily with the main character uh, and her love for metal music. So it's really nice to see a new season come out, and I've just been enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, that's one I haven't heard of. So is, is that on Netflix as well? Sorry, did you say that? Uh, yeah, it is on Netflix. It's uh, part of the Sanrio universe. Um, yeah, I would definitely be excited if you did an episode talking about Sanrio in the future, just because I think that's where a lot of my love for anime even began uh when hollow kitty uh shows were on and such like that yeah i'll have to write that down i know i have anime down as um for a future show so i will definitely have to put that on my list so writing that down now and this is Erin, and what I'm into this week is the new show Lovecraft Country, which I know everybody is raving about, so I'm kind of late to the party, but kind of not. Um, and if you don't know, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was actually a pretty racist human being. Um, and so what's so great about Lovecraft Country is it's kind of taking those, twisting them, putting a spin, um, having a, a, a black cast, a predominantly black cast, uh, black creators behind the scenes. It's produced, of course, by Jordan Peele. And it's just really good. It's uh, really creepy. It's got some creepy monsters. And then it also has some real life horror um, in the form of, of course, racism. Uh, and it shows, you know, sundown towns, which if you don't know what sundown towns are, they were towns uh, across the United States where there would even be signs saying after sundown, black people were not allowed to be in the town. So just some really horrific stuff. It goes into Green Book, um, which was the travel guide for black people wanting to travel across the country to know which places were safe to go, which places were safe to stay. And um, yeah, so it's it's just such a great, great show, great acting, great performances, great music, and I highly recommend it. And once again, that is on HBO Max. Okay, so let's get into Rocky Horror. If you don't yeah. know, <laughs> if you don't know what Rocky Horror Picture Show is, um, this is just a brief one sentence description of the plot. But we'll get deep into everything on it. But it's a newly engaged couple have a breakdown in an isolated area and must seek shelter at the bizarre residence of Dr. Frankenfurter. And this actually became it's one it's known as being uh, one of the biggest midnight screenings around. Um, Some people say it started that, although there were midnight movie screenings a little bit before that. It is the longest running theatrical run in history. Um, just to let you know, the museum, and I'm going to probably butcher this name, so excuse me, Lichtspell Cinema in München, Germany, has screened the movie every week since June 24th, 1977. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. It did start out as a stage play, and Tim Curry, Richard O'Brien, Patricia Quinn, and Nell Campbell all reprised the same roles here that they played on the original stage production. So, yeah, and and... We will get into the brilliance of Tim Tim Curry, of course, in this. So, 
first, I just want to go around and just ask everyone when they first discovered Rocky Horror. Um, David, when when was that? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I actually have very distinct memories of seeing an advertisement on, I think it was like Fox 13. It was a very early channel in Salt Lake City, Utah, TV channel that was planning on airing it late at night, one October. Um, I was probably about seven, eight years old. And I was watching this this TV ad portraying all these fantastical creatures in all manner of dress. And my parents were like panicking, trying to get this TV to like <laughs> change channel or anything they could do to like protect me from it. Cause they knew what was, what was, what was coming. Um, but I had already seen it. Tim Curry throwing off his, his robe and, you know, I was sold. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my parents said, well, you don't, you can't watch this uh, until you're much older. And it was just sort of put away, never discussed again. <laughs> okay. um, and this is coming from my very Mormon parents in like the 80s. So, <laughs> yeah. And Judy. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't remember how I heard about this thing called Rocky Horror. I want to say it was from my stepsister who had gone, she used to go occasionally and um, she was kind of one of these just, you know, artsy, quirky, unique people, like fit absolutely in with that universe. <laughs> um, but I still didn't know a whole lot about it. And then a friend of mine and I decided we were going to check it out. And I grew up in Pittsburgh. And for anybody that doesn't know, Pittsburgh was the first shadow cast and they're still doing it today. And their shadow cast is flipping amazing. So um, we went uh uh, it was probably 88-ish, you know, when I was in high school. And we went uh, downtown to Oakland in, in Pittsburgh and went to see this thing. And wow. <laughs> uh, again, knowing nothing about it going in except for it's this uh, quirky, unique experience that everybody has to check out at some point. And she's kind of like, um, shy isn't the right word, but does not like the limelight shined on her at all so we go in and she's like let's sit in the back row we don't want to be <laughs> we don't we don't want to be like you know make a spectacle or anything so let's kind of hide out in the back row we're like okay fine let's hide out in the back row <laughs> little did we know you know a couple of minutes into the thing half the theater would stand up and fuck the back row <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was my introduction. Um, <laughs> we fell in love with it. It was so much fun and just such a, uh, I guess, David used the word spectacle, and that's exactly what it is. It's a spectacle. It's an experience. And to anybody listening who has not seen it in a theater with the shadow cast, please, please, please watch it that way first. Do not go, do not rent it or watch it on TV or anything like that. You, it's an experience, not, Absolutely. not something that you just watch. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan? Um, for me personally, I was around 13, I believe. And I was just entering high school, like going through my really heavy duty uh, emo phase and such. And I had a best friend and her best friend at that time uh, decided she was going to have a birthday party at a midnight showing. 
never in my life had her and I ever experienced anything like it. Uh, the best friend was able to like do the whole ritual thing of marking us as virgins and such. And it was so much fun. I just remember how much fun we had and the experience as a whole. It was just really enriching. And I went a lot after that. Um, here in Colorado, they do monthly showings. Um, I, sometimes they would do them more frequently. I know as of late they have not, but, uh, oh my goodness, it was just a whirlwind of fun when I was a teenager. And even to this day, I still enjoy going and it just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and that's the, is the Esquire where you, you would always go here? Yes, yeah. I would always go to the Esquire. The shadow cast over there is really amazing. Um, they've changed over the years, but overall, uh, they make everything work in the most fluid way possible. And they even changed some of the callbacks uh, to uh, age the movie with the generation that's been with it. So um, I notice now when I go that I'm a little bit old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and boy. Then Megan, feel- you just made me feel old. <laughs> I know. I, I say the same thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I would feel ancient. Yeah, <laughs> We were going to try and not too long ago. <laughs> well, they do. If they see someone that, like, clearly knows it, then they try and make it a little bit more of that, like, old school kind of thing. But um, because they have been getting a younger generation and a lot of kids from Boulder will come down to go see it, um, they've been trying to keep it up with the time so more people will come and stuff like that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And I had the introduction the way Judy said not to have the introduction. <laughs> Where, um, and same way that it seems David did too, was just, I, I saw it, I watched it. I think it was, I actually think it was with, um, Joyce who's been on the the podcast before. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure she was there and it was when we used to stay up, you know, all night and in, you know, watching the sunrise. And I'm pretty sure it was at one of those times that we saw it. I can't recall the exact time. I wish I could. But it became much a bigger thing when I was in high school. And I always hung out with um, the goths and anyway, and more and the artistic people and people who were quote on considered quote unquote freaks. Um, and it was a big, huge part of, you know, your world. And I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I remember very distinctly when watching the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower. And there's a whole scene where they go to Rocky Horror and are performing and watching the joy on the main character's face. It was just so reminiscent of high school to me. Um, and I had a friend that performed at, at the Esquire. Um, and, 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 and she was like, gosh, how can I not remember who she played? But she she was part of the shadow cast. And it was it, it's just... It's just a film that I think it's fine to watch on its own, but yeah, it's more of an experienced film. It's, it's, it's something that you interact with. Um, it's something you experience instead of just watch, you know, that's, that's the best, you know, doing the call outs in front of your TV at home alone. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually how I had seen it for the second time. Um, I had actually seen the film in its entirety, um, with a friend who had rented it, my friend Puck, and uh, he, we, he sat down and told me, you have to watch this movie. And he started doing the callbacks to the whole movie, and I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what is going on. Why are you talking to this movie? That must have been how my roommates felt in college. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was drunk one night, and I was watching it. 
and I'm just practicing callbacks and they're like what are you doing and they just did not understand I'm like oh I'm just practicing <laughs> and they started watching it with me and they were laughing just because I made a whole spectacle of myself while doing it so that's when they actually decided to go themselves <laughs> that's, <funny. laughs> that's great though well let's talk you know we're gonna jump a little bit forward because David um they've performed in at least, I mean I don't know how many um, performances you've done, um, but I don't know if Megan or Judy, if you guys have, if you both have performed in it before or just David. Sadly, no, I have not. Uh, I'm just a watcher. <laughs> um, I've done some amateur side work as Trixie, as Lil's Dr. Frankenfurter when I had my long hair and it was darker. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I always like to play the big characters. That was always my thing. Um, I really love doing the Trixie choreography, though. Um, it was always one of my favorite numbers to do. <laughs> so, David, yeah, who did you play or who have you played when you've done it? Um, well, when I actually finally joined a, a shadow cast, it was in Salt Lake City uh, back in 2009, shortly after I'd graduated from, from college. Um, and it was this this ragtag group of like theater kids and and punk kids and all sorts of people um and um they had asked me to participate um with them just doing mostly some some background stuff maybe i'd pick up a character um i ended up actually doing um a lot of handing out of the the gift bags and that sort of thing and i was just really involved in it um but it wasn't until the next year in 2010 um, when they asked me to be Frankenfurter. And it was like, it was a huge deal for me. Like I had had maybe uh, 15 minutes in total of theater experience uh, from high school. And my dad, having been in theater, I, I learned, I knew a few things from him, but I was like, I'm just going to give this a go. Um, so yeah, it was in 2010 when I had uh, joined this, this group of people um who i'd love to give a shout out to uh they're uh, they're amazing they honestly that experience saved my life so we'll start with that that's that's wonderful and how many shows um th uh let's see we did three that or three or four that weekend of halloween weekend in 2010 but there were a lot of performances throughout that summer from august until october so i was also watching the movie a lot i was just immersed in it um, so it felt like a thousand performances, but you know, it was really only three or four that weekend and it was great. I, I love hearing that. I'm glad that that was able to happen. Um, yeah. especially the, how profound, the profound effect it seems to have had, especially, um, I, emotionally. Um, and I think performing can do that. Um, I, I've personally never performed in it, but I, I used to act all the time and I know performing can be a life-saving thing. Um, yeah. And, and I can imagine with this one, it, it's, it's, it's gotta be on a different level, I think, um, because there's an acceptance in that world that the world of Rocky horror, the cult phenomenon <laughs> that I don't think you find in a lot of other spaces. I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but that's what I've found. So you can be as weird, um, you outsider, whatever you're accepted. And that's very, very rare. So, and I think 
you know, I, I think that's getting better, but I think it was, it's very, very rare to be able to find that. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the draws of oh, yeah. Rocky Horror is, you know, so many people who just don't feel like they fit into the, you know, norms or whatever. They're on the, the cusp for whatever reason, whether it's, um, like you said, the theater kids, the punk kids, the, um, and now it's certainly more accepted, but the LGBTQ community that, you know, just so many people who felt on the fringes found a home and acceptance in this strange, silly world every Saturday night at midnight. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was one of those things that I felt like shaped me a lot uh, growing up and uh, developed me my voice personally. And it was something that I really carried with me as I continued in college and such, just because I went into a lot of public speaking and whatnot. Um, I also did a lot of dancing, so it was nice to incorporate like all my interests there. And I hope like with this new generation coming up and growing up with it, that they can get the same sort of appreciation for it and continue learning from it. Even now I go sometimes I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. It's just kind of one of those movies that ages with you pretty well. Yeah. And the lasting impact, that's what's pretty incredible is that it, it's still happening today. I mean, people are still discovering it today. Um, and that's 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 pretty incredible, especially for a film that when it came out, you know, it was a failure, really. Uh, but that's how a lot of these cult films start. Um, you know, I was reading trivia on IMDb about uh, Meatloaf going um, with the the creator and them going to see it in a movie theater and being the only two people there, you know. But then just being able to discover those the midnight showings. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, it's pretty incredible. The lasting impact I did, you know, that doesn't happen a lot, really. Things can become dated um, quickly, but I think this one has that lasting impact to it. And yeah, I mean, the story can be looked at as really not having anything to it. A lot of people say, you know, that it's quote unquote bad. Um, but I think it becomes more beautiful um, because of the impact it can have. So Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm curious, David, just to know what the feeling was. Um, I know you've described it a little bit, but with the audience um, oh. watching you up there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Tower Theater in Salt Lake City, where we did this, um, has a stage in front of its, uh, it's, it's a very small stage, but it's big enough that you can actually have a full cast up there doing, you know, the can-can or whatever. And um they also had some small areas, dressing areas behind the, you know, the sides of near the exits and, and such. And we, we just kind of made it all work. Thanks to the Tower Theater for making it possible, I have to say. Uh, they've been making it possible for decades now. Um, but uh, it, it, was, it was just a really exciting weekend. And can, you, can you prime me again? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little running, kind of losing my train oh. of thought right now. No, that's okay. Um, what was it like seeing the audience, like seeing being the up audience, there and yeah. seeing the audience? That's yeah. Right. Well, being up there on, on that stage though, and seeing like 175 people and all of them were your friends in some fashion or another was amazing. Like, um, 
I, it was the, the performance that I, I was, I was expected to give was just, you know, to kind of move in front of everyone and not mouth the words, but I ended up asking for the microphone that night and I sang, I'm going home in front of everybody. And, um, everyone rose. I mean, it was the first time in my life I'd ever had a standing ovation. And it was so meaningful for me that I, I just couldn't help but be swept by away by, by the audience in that moment. And in that moment, I think I understood what so many other people who've done that role or even any role in Rocky Horror have experienced is just that connection to your community, which includes not just this ragtag group of people, but also like the people came to see you, to support you. Um, so that was that was really huge to kind of know that there were people out there who I knew and who knew me and were, you know, clapping for me. It was it was really powerful. So. Yeah, I definitely think that's what makes this experience stand out from others is like this, there's a certain cast members that I remember very vividly and I would go support all the time just because they just continually outdid themselves at every performance they did and they were able to build their portfolios this way and it was just really beautiful to see that growth in their acting abilities and just their presence and to see them be so comfortable with it and to even interact with different roles because a lot of the time they would... Uh, switch roles or just kind of play around with different ideas uh, to see if someone would do this better or how the audience would respond to it at the Esquire. And I was always just in awe in how they pr produced this beautiful kind of secondary show with the movie in the background. <laughs> well, let's talk about the experience of being in the audience. Um, so what I, I know you've performed a lot, David, but do you have what's the experience like being in the audience do you have for you um i actually i i didn't have a whole lot of experience in in the audience yet um so to be fair i i would very much like to to be the one who's like throwing the toast and the, the cards <laughs> and the rice and all the craziness but there's not a lot of theaters that really make space for that sort of thing uh, but that's what they did at tower theater anyway and um so I was kind of envious of the audience and not being able to participate in that way either. So that's something I'm looking forward to in the future, honestly. Hmm. Judy, what has your experience been like? Um, yeah, so again, I was lucky enough to um, have my first experience with this and most of my experiences with it be in Pittsburgh. And again, that was the first place where the shadow cast was done it's still done to this day so big shout out to the junior chamber of commerce players there they're amazing and um they have moved from oakland to dormont now i think it's been a while since i've been but um they just they just put on a fantastic performance and being in the audience it's it's yeah they're performing for you but somehow doing the callbacks and you know getting out your newspaper over your head, spraying water, throwing the toast, whatever it is, you feel like you're a part of it too. So even though you're not up there on that stage, it's very interactive and it's not just watching your, you know, it's interactive. You're being a part of it. And um, yeah, it just, it just feels like you're more a part of the experience than just sitting there absorbing it. And um, I remember one time I took my sons they had, they had gotten old enough to <laughs> to experience rocky horror and i had taken them to see it because i'm like i 
I, I've wanted them to experience this awesome thing. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't in Pittsburgh. It was in another city. I'm not going to name because I don't want to insult anybody. But <laughs> they were not. It was not the experience that I had had. Um, their shadow cat. They weren't able to do a shadow cast. I'm not sure why, because they had a full stage. Like they had plenty of room, but they had people dressing up and they did like a little costume contest. Yay! But they didn't do the full shadow cast, and that really just took something away from the whole experience and the whole um, viewing of it. So unfortunately, my sons walked away going, "I don't get what the big deal is." <laughs> so. It's it's very different when you're there with the shadow cast, with the call outs, with the same people that go week after week and know each other. And it's just a whole community rather than you're going one time on, you know, like Halloween to see it or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely something you got to experience in a um, with the shadow cast, with a with a community that's been doing it for a while because they put on. Um, they, they just make it a more immersive experience. Did your sons get to see it again? Um, we, ha I have not taken them again. Um, Denver, I went in Denver um, last year and Megan, you're right. They, they do a really good one too. So now that I've gone there once, um, I definitely want to take them again. So once we're allowed back in theaters sitting <laughs> next to each other, I will definitely, um, that's on the agenda because <laughs> I think they would, I think they would have a whole different experience and love for it after that. Yeah. I know that, uh, part of what I wanted to do originally when I put this on the schedule is I was going to have us go first. Oh. Yeah, and then I was like, <laughs> it'd be fun to then record right after. Totally. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been amazing! Or, yeah, <laughs> that that was my original thinking, but sadly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the world fell apart a little bit. <laughs> but we'll do that again when we can. We'll be oh. back. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> could just do an an after experience of it and just enjoy yeah. the fun of that. <laughs> So Megan, what are, uh, what are your? So for me, because the thing I liked about Denver, um, I have been down in Texas. Texas is a lot of fun too. The one I really want to go to is New York because I hear New York they have a couple of theaters that do a really good job with their shadow cast and the whole experience and Twelve Wonders and it's just a big thing for them. However, in Denver, I enjoyed as an audience member being able to participate back because a lot of the time um, there would be uh, half the audience who knew what was going on, sometimes half that were either older community or just didn't really know what was going on. So we would have to get them to interact and loosen up a bit. And we were able to do that. And it created the whole experience rather than just like a show playing at you. You were in, in the show um, in your own way. Uh, I always enjoyed, uh, I think this is where my love for cosplay came from personally. <laughs> I think it was born in Rocky Horror Picture Show because I would craft together a lot of these cool little costume ideas that would match the theme we would have going on. And it was just so much fun. And I would always improve on it or find different ways to make it all fun. And I was constantly buying red lipsticks because I was always just bringing people to uh experienced Rocky Horror Picture Show because a lot of people thought it was weird and they were like why why do you like it so much and like well you could go and you can understand why <laughs> um 
and the little gift bags and it's just it's so much fun and as an audience member it's very immersive and it makes you feel whole to see so many people having fun in one place without it becoming uh too rowdy or just overall like kind of gross like I feel like if you go to a club or things like that it just it's kind of gross after a while but Rocky Horror Picture Show it's just it's an experience that's meant to keep everyone engaged in some capacity or form and it was just funny it was constantly just a fun engaging thing for me to do when I was younger <laughs> yeah and I'll say embarrassingly enough I haven't been in in years um and, you know, I grew up here in Denver, so Esquire was where it was. And I believe in Boulder, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went to high school in Boulder, actually. I lived in Denver and commuted up to high school in Boulder because I went to an alternative uh, arts-focused high school up there. Um, and I, I that's why I wanted to go. Again, that's why I really wanted to honestly do this podcast episode is because I really wanted to go again and, and experience it again. Um so I'll have to I'll have to do that again. But but that's the thing is that you know feeling immersed in something, um, it's a different it's a different experience. I think you guys have all every I think you all have expressed it a lot better than I'm going to or said everything I would say on it. Um, but yeah, there there is that experience of feeling like you're part of it, like you're part of something, like you're a community. Uh, almost like a family, um, a family feeling of being accepted, um, having fun um, while being accepted and having fun with this, this, what might seem bizarre or weird to other people, but just, you know, just being able to feel that immersion. And it's the closest, it's, you know, next to being in theater and doing improv is the closest thing I can kind of compare it to just because with improv you try to involve the audience as well um, as much as you possibly can when you do improv and when you go to an improv showing you know that's what you should expect is that (laughs) you might get called on um, but it's not quite to the same level but I think that's that's why it's so special but I do definitely want to go again because I want to be able to experience that feeling again um and I miss that. I miss that that connection and that that family feeling. Um, and I don't know if everyone sees it like a family, like I would see that. Um, but that's that's sort of the way I the way I view it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the music, the favorite songs. And I did a poll on both Twitter and Facebook. Um, asking you know what everybody's favorite songs were and you could I could only put a couple on there and it was let me just double check this but it was pretty much it was sweet transvestite one and then uh, (laughs) time warp was was second so I just want to know what everybody's favorite uh numbers are um David um as a performer I think uh time warp was actually more fun just because it got everyone involved if they were if they were willing just get up there move your hips do the thing um the dance steps are so easy and they're even on a chart (laughs) so so that was that was a lot of fun but you know i I think in in a personal way just you know sweet transvestite and having that moment to just let my freak flag fly in that role (laughs) just um 
it was it was a lot of a lot of meaning in that song at least uh with sweet transvestite so i mean it's a bit of both honestly in my experience judy um oh gosh i just i love the music so much I love <laughs> and and hard to pick a favorite but a funny story about me and the music is i I hate working out. Oh God, I hate it so much. <laughs> but I, I was like, what can I do? What can I put on? What can I listen to to force me to do this? And if, you know, I motivate myself, I get through to song, song X, that's the end of my workout. And I know that I can't listen to that song until I finish. So I chose Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. <laughs> so when I run... Every time I run, I put it on and it gets me through the flippin' misery of working out. <laughs> That's a um, good idea. Dynamic tension. <laughs> exactly. You know, just putting on regular music, it doesn't motivate me as much because it doesn't take me away from the, oh, the ache of the breathing in my feet and all that mm. stuff. But putting on this, I visualize it in my head, you know, I can see the whole thing in my head as I'm running, and that's what I'm paying attention to. So I love it. And um, my favorite, actually, I think, is Hot Patootie. <laughs> I'm a huge meatloaf person, and so I I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Megan? Uh, similar to Judy, um, when I'm driving down from the mountains, especially at night or things like that, um, I put on the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack because it's just, it's daunting. Like, especially if it's the middle of the night, you can't see anything <laughs> except the stars above you. So I'll either do Queen or Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Rocky Horror Picture Show is the one that really, like, pushes me through all of that. Uh, well, going a little above the speed limit, limit but only a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, I see as an audience member, uh, a lot of the songs were changed a little bit in the slightest. Like, um, I Can Make You a Man, that was changed enough for me to enjoy it a lot more because they, you know, not only did I make you a man, but I made your dad a man too. Um, that was like one of the ones changes that they made in that song that I really loved. So I know that one by heart <laughs> through and through, and that one's a, holds a special place for me, but I think my overall favorite would have to be uh, touch it, touch it, touch me uh, just because it's just one of those songs where you see Janet just finally just unleash and become her full self and it's something you wouldn't expect just because she was just very meek at the beginning and just like, oh, Brad, he's the greatest. <laughs> and then here comes Rocky, this great, grand, beautiful man. <laughs> and she really got to experience it. So I always laugh just because it's very reminiscent of just that overall feeling of like, it's okay to just let it out, have fun, let your freak flag hang and just have fun and just run around and <laughs> be silly. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's my favorite too, Megan. That's my favorite song too. Is, is "Touch a Touch Touch Me." So, it, but I also love "Time Warp" and I love "Sweet Transvestite." And and I will um, do the time warp in front of uh, my dog, and my dog looks at me like I'm crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> especially when I'm cleaning, that's what I'll be listening to is all sorts. And and then that'll come on, and I just have to stop and do the time warp. Yeah in the middle of cleaning yeah and just have 
the strange looks from my dog, like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I can't really get him to do it with me, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That or well, I he he'll let me dress him up, so maybe I'll just do that sometime. Oh my gosh, that would be so cute. Maybe that'll be his Halloween costume this year. <laughs> That'd be fun. But yeah, and I just want to add, I was remembering um, one of my friends and I, we used to sit there and we would, one of us would say, damn it, Janet. And another one would say, I love you all the time. And we do that at work. We worked together and we would have people look at us like, what are you, what are you talking about? What is this damn it, Janet thing? <laughs> like, come on people. But anyway, just wanted to <laughs> I have I have a guy on my team named Brad, and every oh, time gosh. I have to you know ask him a question, I'm like, "Hey, Brad!" And then in my head, I always hear, "Yes, Janet." <laughs> every single time. Well, it'd be better if if do you have anyone that you work with that is named Janet? No, I do not. <laughs> There's not very many women where I work. <laughs> that would. That would be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we will get into Tim Curry really soon. But first, (laughs) before we do that, I want to just quickly just get um, thoughts on the characters as a whole, your favorite characters, um, and the plot, your general thoughts on the plot, David. Oh, man. Um, I think... I think from a filmmaking standpoint, one of my favorite uh, little tidbits about Rocky Horror is that the the room th- that um, Dr. Scott has to enter in on the wheelchair when he breaks through the wall, that break through the wall had to happen because they didn't build doors on the set. <laughs> so they had to just come up with an idea as to how he was going to come through. And that was it. And it's just like, I mean, it just kind of put a cherry on top of everything. Um, so as far as like other characters, I think that are really notable, I mean, I, I love them all. They're just, they're, they're, they're like at the end of Labyrinth, when Sarah comes home and she's got all of her stuffed animals around her, she knows she can always go back to that dimension. It's the same kind of feeling. Um, but you know, it's the, the movie itself is kind of so, problematic in from a a modern standpoint around like trans identities and so um it's i it's it's hard not to love them despite their flaws and that's that's the i think the best thing about what what this all represents um you know you've got this i mean in the second film if you go into like that apocryphal description of where frankenfurter came from like he's he's a Transylvanian prince who decides to leave his planet, and come to Earth, but isolate in a mansion in the woods, you know, and and that's that's just really strange. Like, what is he what is he running away from? Um, so when I was studying to to be Frankenfurter and trying to get a sense for like how I was going to portray him, um, I was doing a lot of digging and exploring with friends and asking like what are his, what what are his motivations? You know, he's got a Zen room, but he's he's like you know, what is, what is this character about? And, you know, upon further study and, and uh, exploration, I found that, you know, he sort of represents the best of Epicureanism. Um, you know, the, 
that life is to be ex experienced to its fullest through the, the sensory pleasures, for example. And he was going to do that all the way. And for me, as a gay man coming out of the closet, that was exactly what I needed to be. That was exactly what I needed to be. And so being able to get to have that example put in front of me to just let it be what I am um, was was where the significance came in for me about that particular role. Um, but I've, I've had ongoing conversations with other people who've done different roles and they felt a similar connection with like Magenta because she's always around the house and having to take care of this other person who's taking all the credit and all the fun, you know? So yeah, I think these characters have some really interesting depth to them for sure. Sorry if I derailed that. No, <laughs> thank you. No, I was just going to say, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. That was that wasn't derailing at all. That was okay, great. Cool. That was wonderful. <laughs> Judy. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I had to laugh whenever you put out, you sent us the outline with here's some of the topics we're going to talk about. And you put characters and plot. And I just giggled <laughs> when I saw plot, I'm like plot, what plot. <laughs> I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to do that actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it. Like, the first half of the movie, you're like, okay, I'm there. This has got an interesting story. I can see it building. And then it's so derailed. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and David, I love what you talked about there with um, uh, Frankenfurter, how he's just this person who is like, let's drown ourselves in decadence. And it's okay just give in to all the pleasures and everything. It's, it's something that we rarely um, see and accept and embrace in, in our culture, especially in, you know, Americans kind of, you know, the Puritan, Puritanic culture. So it's such a um, left turn from where we are usually. And uh, it's just fun to see that and fun to embrace that. Um, but as far as, my favorite characters, again, I know I hinted, I, I just love Meatloaf so much that, yeah, Eddie. <laughs> I gotta, gotta throw out some love for Eddie. <laughs> Megan. Yeah, I really liked how David talked about character depth, too. It got me thinking about it. And I think for me, uh, my favorite character has always been Riff Raff, just because there was always kind of like this snarky sort of attitude that uh, Riff Raff carried, but also very like pre predominantly himself. Like he wasn't afraid to play Shadow King a lot of the time of just kind of like controlling things in his own way and manner. And I always thought that was pretty unique as a character. And... Uh, <laughs> the candle scene with the 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 elbow sex <laughs> the that <laughs> i think that's really what did it for me it was <laughs> just this weird ritualistic thing that him and magenta did <laughs> it's just fantastic and it always just it was one of those things where it's like yes like these are my people um <laughs> And the way, like, him and Magenta, even with Time Warp, like, it's one of those timeless kind of numbers of just, like, you just throw yourselves into it. And you can see their characters really flourish in those moments of, like, yes, we want to go back to Transylvania. Like, this is what we love. We love this constant use of decadence. We don't want to be just these house pieces. Uh, and you can see that fight in both of them. And I really like seeing that dynamic kind of emphasize and grow throughout the movie as uh, Frankenfurter was trying to control everything to be objects and how he wanted them again. And he, they were like, no, we're done. 
<laughs> especially at the end when um Riff Raff looks like the Dairy Queen cone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have always just made me happy but Riff Raff's outfit choices and just being dramatic in his own um, melancholy way was always what drew me into him okay guys I have to share a funny little Riff Raff story okay um, when I got married many years ago um, my ex and I we went to the the JP and we were living in Germany at the time and the JP's assistant was this guy who had kind of a hunchback he had gray dirtyish blonde hair long and bald on the top oh and he was like tall and skinny and had these big you know like the high cheekbones and everything and we like giggled through the entire ceremony because we're like we got married by riff raff <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Columbia um, just because I have, I, have, I have a soft spot for that character um, and I also have a soft spot for Janet and I have a soft spot for Janet because I know people often looked at me as the sh shy meek one the one who wouldn't dare do anything scandalous or anything which wasn't true at all but so I could relate a lot to that and I I so I just want to give a shout out to Janet for that reason, because I could relate to that when I was really like, no, 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 I'm not that way. I'm just, you know, I may present myself that way, but I'm not that way at all. Um, so yeah, I, little, I, I hate to say darker side, but she embraced that other side of her. Which yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 She which I very loved. empowered when she entered that castle and I loved every moment of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and so I could relate to her uh, in in that respect of of getting that power. <laughs> so I want to give her a shout out. Um, yeah, and and Susan Sarandon in the role, you know, yeah. of course was she was incredible, and she was very sick during a lot of filming of that. Really? Yeah, she had pneumonia. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I'll read really quickly this. Um, Really, yeah, and she was filmed it in a castle which wasn't heated. Yeah, it was, was raining, no and they were bath. Yeah. no like, bath. It was miserable. <laughs> yeah, and she caught pneumonia after filming the pool scene. Um, and according to Richard O'Brien, she was shaking with fever and should have been under medical supervision, but she refused to stop working. So, yeah, yeah, a little bit of trivia there on that. Wow. So it probably wasn't the funnest thing to film, but it's pretty incredible what she did with that role. So I want to just give her a quick, a quick shout out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to just dive into Tim Curry. Excellent. <laughs> so we'll be right back. So now we're back. So we're going to dive into the first person that everybody thinks of, I think, when they think of Rocky Horror <laughs> Show, and that is the incredible Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Tim Curry a little bit and his performance and Dr. Frankenfurter and everything. So, David, if you want to dive into that. Um, I think I best knew Tim Curry through uh, the the animated uh, movie um, Fern Gully, where he played as Hexus. 
um, just like this embodiment of uh, pollution and destruction of the earth. And um, I, I loved the voice acting that he, he gave to that. And um, later when I did see him in, in Rocky Horror, you know, which was of course 20 years prior to that production, I was, I was just amazed at what he had contributed. Because um, at the time, like being someone who was intentionally crossing over gender boundaries like that was, you know, that was very daring, especially in cinema. Um, I mean, you had David Bowie who had been doing it for already a decade at that point, but I mean, this was way out there. It was just owning it and representing it. So um, yeah, I think he took on some career risks potentially for doing that, that production, but I mean, he's done nothing but thrive from it since uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and it was his theatrical debut too. So yeah. that takes even more guts. <laughs> I For mean, sure. really. Yeah. Yeah. Judy. Uh, wow, I did not realize that was his theatrical uh, debut. That's incredible. <laughs> and, and it just makes it even more brave. And uh, yeah, because he, he didn't just like play this role and then brush, like he went. 150 percent like he put everything into it um and it was it was totally brave in 1975 to play that role and um not be afraid of being typecast for the rest of your career um and he ended up moving on and and just rocking every other role he ever played he's just incredible but um my love for him will always go back to Rocky. And I don't know, I always, like, same thing with Susan Sarandon. You know, she's gone on to do amazing things and Oscar nominations and whatnot. But she's always ours, if that makes sense. She's always a part of our family. She, You know what I mean? She was ours first. Um, we're letting you have her. <laughs> and him. Um, and that's, that's what I love. I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I feel about, um, these actors and what they, what they gave us in this movie, even no matter what they ever went on to do, they're part of our family. Mm -hmm. Megan. Um, my exposure to Tim Curry was interesting. Uh, The first time I ever saw Tim Curry was in Legend and he played a very distinct character there. And, uh, (laughs) even though I'm not the biggest fan of the movie is something I feel like everyone should watch (laughs) just because it is just very unique in what it does and who's in it and how they all act compared to how they do now. And it just, so when I saw him initially, when I went to the showing and I saw him as our main characters, Dr. Frankenfurter, I wasn't surprised. I was like, this is something he could naturally do. Like hands down, this is going to be good. And that's when I knew it was going to be good because I've seen him in other roles and he just seemingly excels in making the weird seem really normal and that you should be doing it too. Like you need to join me. Uh, it's a very commanding kind of presence he has. And uh, I love that now in the, uh, the remake they did recently that he was, he matured into the criminologist role <laughs> and he really took on that role really well. And I think he made it almost more charming than what the criminologist role w- has ever been. Um, I granted the shadow cast for me, like they, they always made it charming and I've always had like a special place in my heart for the criminologists and kind of like how they pull their little, uh, the spreadsheet down on how to do the dance and their facts and the books and all the stuff. And 
uh, with Tim Curry, though, to see him kind of just go full circle with this and come back as the criminologist at the end of the day, it was very endearing to see. Like, he realizes, like, this is where he got a, a big start in his life, and this is something he will always pay tribute to and will not look down upon. Yeah, he he totally embraces it. Um, yeah, and he, actually, when he met uh, Princess Diana, she loved loved this movie and uh, he told terry gross from fresh air he said that um she told him with a wicked smile that rocky horror had quite completed her education (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think that's 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 awesome yeah i think my first exposure to tim curry was was probably legend as well and then of course clue with with him playing the butler which he was so great in clue as well um, but yeah, this is definitely, I would say Clue, Rocky Horror, and Legend to me are the three defining roles for Tim Curry. <laughs> I, I mean, he's great in everything, even in Roseanne when he was in the early seasons of Roseanne, which I don't know if anyone ever wa- anyone watched that when he was on there. But he played this realtor, basically, who was doing fix and flips. And yeah, but even in that, he was still just this... I don't know, just Tim Curry. He just has this presence where you just want to watch more and more and more of him. Um, He's almost decadent in a way. Uh, No matter what role he's doing, he's beautiful. He's absolutely beautiful to watch, I think. Um, And he's he's, he's just brilliant. He's just such a brilliant actor. And I love that he didn't turn his nose up to this role because I think a lot of times you know you will find that sometimes when actors are in roles like this or in movies like this that they might end up you know turning their nose up to it but he never did that and the fact that he even appeared in the remake is is pretty incredible and I also want to share another little tidbit is that originally Dr. Frankenfurter was going to have a German accent mm-hmm. Um, but he changed that to the highly exaggerated English accent that reminded him um, of Queen Elizabeth II. So, yeah. And it he was a later. Very fitting choice. <laughs> yeah. And he later combined it with elements of his mother's telephone, telephone voice. So, yeah. So I just, I, I like these little stories <laughs> I found about him. I especially love the Princess Diana story. I think that is so awesome. <laughs> that is the sweetest. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he. Go ahead, David. I was just going to ask if anyone was familiar with the lesser-known role that he did in the movie Oscar. Uh, it was a Sylvester Stallone movie where Sylvester is like uh, this Chicago-based rum runner um, in the age of uh, um, no, you know, booze is gone, the prohibition. Um, but uh, Tim Curry comes in as Doctor Poole, his speech pathologist, <laughs> and oh. tries to get him to change the way he's talking, and it. He sells that role 100%. It is, I think it's actually a really pivotal role in the movie. I mean, if, you, if you're into farcical comedies, definitely check that one out. It's a favorite of mine. One of uh, Tim Curry's best, I think. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. One. I'm going to have to add that to my list. Yeah, I'll have to add yeah. that on there. Yeah. Yeah, because he's just, he's just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant person inside and out and he really is i just really think of him as just a beautiful beautiful person um and i just love watching him and i think anything he's in 
you know, even the movie Congo. I mean, just anything he is in, he just adds something to it. Oh God, that was such a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a terrible movie, but. <laughs> I had forgotten about that one. <laughs> but he adds something to it. That's why we'll definitely have to do a show, just an episode, just celebrating him in general. Because uh, I really want to do that just to be able to talk about him more and dive deeply into his roles and the legacy he's left behind because he really has not just in Rocky Horror but you know he's he's left he's I mean I'm talking about him like you know but, but <laughs> the legacy that he has um, given us is pretty incredible really yeah yeah okay well um, I want to go into now I want to talk a little bit about the cultural impact that this film um, has had and um, the LGBTQ plus influence. I want to go into talking about that, David. Um, yeah, the the thing that comes up for me around this film is like it's it's intentionally giving this message about explore your sexuality, find the pleasure in life, um, and this is also in the face of what's going on with gay rights at the time. Um, there was this shadow in the background that was starting to kill gay men. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, so, like, that message was really well received, but it was also one that that was starting to represent some potential danger. Um, and, you know, I think that, like like the movies, I think the, 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 the core song that has its moral core, if there is one for the movie, it's the, the song Sword of Damocles. You know, when he's talking about how with... Uh, like this notion of the, the story of the, uh, the sort of Damocles when it's hanging over the king uh, for a day and he says he can't, he can't handle this anymore. It's too intense. So what he realizes that king is that it's great responsibility uh, comes with, you know, great danger. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of some of the lessons that have come from Frankenfurter and, and uh, you know, to be careful around how, uh, you do explore your sexuality or any of these things because there could be danger involved. I think that's that's kind of some of what a lot of uh, people had taken away from it at the time, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Judy? Um, yeah, so it's very, it, it is very sort of freeing and, um, you know, embracing of anything you know try try it all experience and uh, don't be afraid to take on pleasures however there's also and and maybe it's because of its age it's 1975 um there's definitely some problems with the portrayal of of trans uh men and the uh manipulation of rocky you know you don't just make a person for your own sexual pleasure right (laughs) um and the treatment of rocky and so i mean obviously you just have to kind of look beyond that and enjoy the fun of it um but yeah i do think that's important to lgbt community because they've really embraced it or we you know (laughs) really embraced it as um as ours, and it's sort of a, a a representation of being different and being yourself, and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a little little 
uh, light, little dark. You have to take them both. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of things. Yeah, the a lot of things that we we love, we look and look upon back at and see the problematic issues in them, mm -hmm. uh, while still embracing what they did um, for us and for for society and the risks they took, but also seeing, yeah, there are, you know, the issues with, with consent. consent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the big one. <laughs> issue with consent. Yeah. For sure. You have to touch me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Megan. Um, yeah. Um, similar to uh, what Judy was talking about earlier with the trans community. Um, it was one of the things that, made me take a step back from going to Rocky Horror Picture Show for a while. I had a friend who recently um, has undergone some changes and um, she uh, found it uh, somewhat offensive at this point, uh, the way of the portrayals and how they're set up. And it was something I never really thought about just because it was something that constantly empowered me. But it forced me to take a step back and see like, okay, so this is how like one person views this movie that is definitely from a time that's, you know, definitely a little bit older compared to uh, what we are now. Um, however, I think even in the new remake of it, the fact that they had, um, oh, her name, uh, she was in uh, Orange is the New Cox. Black. Yes, Laverne Cox uh, play Rocky, or not Rocky, um, Dr. Frankenfurter was very empowering. It doesn't fix the issues, but it tells me that they were aware of what this issue is at least, and it's something they want to move forward from when making new movies that involved uh, trans and, you know, continuing to do better for the LGBTQ community plus because, you know, they deserve the best. And granted, it was a great start. It hit the rock. We got some iron out of it. Now let's turn that into some gold or some other things for all of us to celebrate. Yeah, that's the big thing is that, you know, I think we are all constantly learning. Like I'm constantly learning. Like I notice one thing I need to stop saying all the time is you guys. And it's something that I just automatically say, and I'm not, don't even think about it, you know? So I think there is that, that thing where we have to change, we have to grow and it's all, it's all about growth. And if you can find places where you need to improve and grow, and it's the same thing with our entertainment, um, you know, like you said, having, having Laverne Cox be in that role was a huge step, but there's a lot of steps needed to be, that we need to take. And I don't know if, if everyone has watched the, uh, wonderful documentary on Netflix, Disclosure. <laughs> yeah. And that's all about the history and the future of trans representation. It's I, amazing. It's Everybody so good. It. Yeah. Oh my, I it is so have good. it on my list. So I'm definitely gonna have to move that up then. Very curious about it. It's no, very, it's yeah, it's very good. And it, it talks a lot about, um, you know, the, the, the hurtful portrayals, um, the future, what needs to happen. And what was great about that documentary is a lot of the people working behind the scenes. Um, Laverne Cox is in that one. And, and, and she made sure that there were a lot of people behind the scenes who were trans as well, so that it wasn't just people speaking it wasn't just actors and actresses speaking it was people that were going to be producing and everything so that you had the trans community involved as a whole and that's really what needs to happen and and yes you we can embrace these things and also look at them with a critical eye eye excuse me and um also look where we can 
improve and do better. And it's interesting to me that the remake has come up a couple times because I was wondering if we should even mention it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people do not like to talk about the remake. So that's, that's fair. Kind of... <laughs> what? That is that? absolutely fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fine talking about it. I just I just thought that was interesting because I, I was like, okay, am I going to put this on the outline or not? Because I wonder uh, what the reaction PG down Rocky Horror Picture Show for, you know, Fox. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's too difficult. <laughs> you take well, away, uh, yeah, too much of the, the meat of the show. Well, just out of curiosity, that just, this just popped into my head. And even though it's been remade, but what do you think would happen if they were to try and remake this as a theatrical release hmm. now? Anyone have any thoughts on that? I'm worried something like cats would happen again. Um, <laughs> however, if they ever do release the one with the cat buttholes involved, I'm very curious about it and I wouldn't mind purchasing it uh, just because I think that's hilarious. And I would definitely drink while watching that. <laughs> any other huh. thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, I mean, currently with theaters being closed for who knows how long, how long it's it feels like a kind of a foregone conclusion until we do finally get that back. But I mean, I look forward to the day that they do have a theatrical release, a, a redesigning, a, a, you know, because it, seeing this film, being in this film, participating in some fashion or another has always been a rite of passage, cultural rite of passage. And that's the way we've continued to treat it. And it means so much for so many people that way. So I would hope that if some someone in Hollywood does pick it up, that they treat it with the kind of love and respect that it deserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's And I think that was the problem that people had with the remake was a lot of people thought it wasn't treated with respect and that it was more um, like a bubblegum version. You know, like you said, Judy, it was on Fox. So it was very much a... <laughs> And wasn't it, was it live? I can't remember because yeah. I watched theater on demand. So Those, yeah, those live ones, are, they're very interesting, those live ones. I'm not crazy about them, but I see what they're trying to do. And it's a nice thought. <laughs> it's a nice thought, but it, it doesn't do it justice by any means. I mean, they did it with Grease, too, and I didn't even think that was uh, very good for what it was. But it was meant to just be like, hey, like, this is a classic. Like, come watch it. Um and I think it's just meant to draw attention to what is a classic, but um, it, it, yeah, no, Fox is just not the place to find these. <laughs> yeah. And Fox has a tendency to also mess a lot of things up anyway. <laughs> they cancel amazing shows and yeah, they're just, yeah. <laughs> Issues there. Well, I, I want to close out with just uh, everyone saying what why why is rocky horror i know we've touched on this already but why rocky horror is important to you personally what it means to you david hmm. um for me it means um a lot of things um like i mentioned before uh, uh, when i had first come into that that group of people in 2009 um, I was starting to have some really strong impact from depression going on. I just graduated from college with a film degree, had no idea what I was going to do to make money because that that's not how you make money in Salt Lake City. Um, 
And so immediately after having the experience the year later as Frankenfurter, which had, you know, I was going through some pretty severe depression and suicidal thoughts at the time. And to be pulled out of that and brought back to a place of like community love and connection and just having that sort of great big hug from this group really brought me back to life. Um, and so a couple months after that, I picked up and moved to the Bay Area uh, to, to pursue my film career and actually ended up working in the gay porn industry for five years, which was, you know, for, for some really big names. And it was, um, it wasn't the direction I thought my film career was going to go, but, you know, in a way it was the way it needed to go. And, and I feel like it couldn't have happened if, at all if I hadn't been kept alive by this group of, uh, of you know, theater freaks in Salt Lake City who, who put on the shadow cast. So that's where it has the most significance for me. Um, and it, it makes me feel good to know that there are so many other groups out there who are doing this production, like the Pittsburgh group who've been, you know, who started this, the, the shadow casting, um, who are holding communities together this way. Um, who knows what people are going through, you know, what's going on in their world. So I think that's for me where it has the most significance. Thank you so much for sharing that, really. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and Judy? Yeah, thanks, David. That's really beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah for me, it's it's that safe place to let your freak flag fly, you know, just to go have fun, let it out, be silly. But also in that environment, you can feel the acceptance. You can feel the family. You can feel the sense of community among the people that, uh, especially among the regulars. Um, and it's just, it's just a wonderful feeling to be surrounded by that. Megan. Uh, for me, it holds significance in the way that it can build a person's voice. Uh, there's a lot of people who go into this experience kind of quiet, not knowing what to expect. And even the first time going to like the audience show a lot of them come out shocked not really understanding it, but they are curious about it and they always want to know more. Like that's always inevitably what happens with it. So then they go again and again. And it's nice to see a lot of people like start developing like their own personalities with the characters, uh, how they respond back with different uh, members of the audience, as well as with the actors, the shadow cast actors. And I think for me, it has definitely been an opportunity for me to build my voice and to you know, say, hey, it's okay if I'm heard and I can express an opinion, um, especially one that would be considered controversial in regards to, like, um, at that time, um, when I was younger, early 2000s, like, a lot of LGBTQ fights were still going on, and people were using a lot of, you know, derogatory language, and at that point, I could step in and say, hey, stop that, and I definitely feel like watching a film like this has allowed me to start becoming an ally for members in my community that... I wouldn't have been able to otherwise because they gave me a voice to feel empowered. So I want to give them that same voice back. I love that too. So thank you. Uh, and for me, you know, like I said before, the scene in Perks of Being a Wallflower, it really sums up the feeling of, um, you know, you have this character who is hurting and in a lot of pain and, depressed and you know I have dealt and struggled with depression and being suicidal and feeling suicidal for pretty much my whole entire life 
And so I know having that feeling of being accepted and being seen, it's the being seen thing, I think that is the most important because it's so painful to feel invisible. And so when you feel seen, I think that makes such an impact and can save you. And I think with this film and with the community around it, I I think that's what this film has done for a lot of people is uh, had people be able to see themselves and be seen by a community and be accepted and be embraced and not feel like the outsider and not feel invisible or like you should shrink into the crowd, um, that feeling. And I, I think that's what this represents. I think that's what, uh, the, the audience around it, the crowd around it. Um, and really just, I just love that it has helped save people's lives. I mean, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think art when it is at its most powerful can save and change lives. And, um, I'm getting emotional just talking about this, but it, but that's the beauty of art. That's the beauty of music and film and writing and dancing and everything like that is, it's this way of expressing everything inside you um, and being accepted while doing that. Um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and I just want to ask quickly, even though we are going to be wrapping up, if there's anything else anyone wants to add, um, anything else at all, feel free to right now. Is there anything else you want to add, David? Um, I mean, I have so many thoughts about this movie. <laughs> it's it's just done so much for me and around me and, you know, choose your preposition. <laughs> um, I It's... Uh, yeah, the, the 70s were a really interesting era of, of cultural change. Um, later on in the decade, uh, the radical fairies had started to form, and they were a part of my experience in the San Francisco area that Rocky Horror had kind of pushed me into. I was so hungry for, uh, for like, the roots of queer culture that it took me uh, in, in all these other different directions. And so I've got nothing but gratitude for, for this film, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, having had such an impact on everybody's life. Currently, um, I now work as a peer support line supervisor for the state of Colorado. Um, I'm now working in mental health uh, to just kind of continue that same idea of you know, creating community support and that can that can hold people here. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I feel like a lot of um, that energy has been put to good use, I think, for me. Thank you. Thank you for doing that work, by the way. I mean, totally. that's yeah. not always an easy thing, I'm sure. So thank you. Um, and Judy, do you have anything you want to add? Um, just a fun small thing uh, to note. I don't think we talked about it, but a lot of um, Rocky Horror Picture Show shadow casts um, become very active parts of the community. And we didn't really talk about their charitable work. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it's just important to note that they do a lot of outreach, a lot of charity and a lot of, um, giving back, especially in the areas of LGBTQ, homelessness, mental health, all those kind of things to embrace and protect, um, the community that, that brought, that brought them up and has stuck with them for this long. Thank you for adding that, mentioning that. Yeah. Megan, do you have anything you want to add? 
I want to add that, you know, a lot of these theaters, it's a production and they've took a lot of time putting it together and stuff. And it's just just go to your theaters, go enjoy it. And they do make a different experience every time. Like a lot of these people, they put their whole hearts into it. And it's so fun to go. And it is a different experience every time. And if you do end up bringing virgins and you need a lipstick, please go with the cheaper one because you'll be using a lot of it all over them. And don't be afraid uh, if they're just not into it initially. You just got to let them feel it and let them approach you about it. Um, It can be a very daunting experience for some, but it's also an experience that, you know, I've had friends later down the line message me and be like, you know, that was something that I can never say I would have ever experienced otherwise. So that's always fantastic. And I hope um, it continues to stay strong for many more years. Yes, thank you. Well, I'll just in just saying thank you so much for being on here. Um, this was a great discussion. It made me a lot more emotional than I was expecting <laughs> to make me. So, but thank you so much. And everybody out there, just, you know, let your freak flag fly. Just embrace it and know you will find your community. So. Okay, well, let's close out and we'll just go around and just say where you can be found if you want to be found and if you have anything to plug. Start with you, David. Um, as far as finding me, I'm, I'm just going to keep it to uh, finding my finding me by way of the service that I provide at my job. Uh, if anyone is, does happen to be struggling with like mental health or substance use issues and needs to have some support, um, we, we have a line set up for the state of Colorado. Uh, the number is 844 844- Four nine three eight two five five. Great, and I'll I'll put that number in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And Judy. Um, well, my main uh, online presence is uh, I have a Tumblr blog, Angels Watching Over, um, but it's mostly uh, supernatural. So if you're also a fan of supernatural, join me there. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And Megan. Uh, I choose to remain anonymous for the most part. However, um, I will be part of a group soon uh, that is going to focus on cosplaying a lot of uh, scary elements and things like that since Supernatural is coming to an end and we're all Supernatural fans. Uh, So once I have full details about that and I plan on being in a future show, I'll announce that then. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, Megan. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback or any show notes, feel free to email us at It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're also available on Spotify as well. And I just want to thank everybody who has been listening recently. Our numbers have started to grow, and that means a lot to me. And it also means we are getting more revenue from the one ad we have, which means various Black Lives Matter organizations are going to get more money. So thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And on next week's show, we are going to be talking about me too and fandom so that will probably be a very heavy discussion 
um, but a needed discussion as well. So, yeah. And then I just want to also plug once again that in October, we are going to be celebrating horror, which is one of my favorite things in the world. So I am very excited about that. We're going to be talking about slasher films, the final girl trope. We're going to be talking about vampires. We're going to be talking about zombies, pandemics. We're going to be talking about ghosts. We're going to be sharing our own paranormal experiences as well. And I have a couple of other show ideas rattling around in my head for that month as well. So keep an ear out for that one. Well, and until listen to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited to do that month because I'm such a horror geek. So <laughs> that'll be so much fun. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing and Black Lives Matter. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.